Section 5 of Rock Crystal by Adelbert Stifter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. They proceeded along their road, which still led upward. The footprints they left behind them did not remain visible long, for the extraordinary volume of the descending snow soon covered them up. The snow no longer rustled in falling upon the needles, but hurriedly and peacefully added itself to the snow already there. The children gathered their garments still more tightly about them in order to keep the steadily falling snow from coming in on all sides. They walked on very fast, and still the road led upward. After a long time, they still had not reached the height on which the post was supposed to be, and from where the road was to descend toward Geshait. Finally the children came to a region where there were no more trees. "'I see no more trees,' said Sana. "'Perhaps the road is so broad that we cannot see them on account of the snow,' answered the boy. "'Yes, Conrad,' said the girl. After a while the boy remained standing and said, "'I don't see any trees now myself. We must have got out of the woods.' And also, the road keeps on rising. Let us stand still a while and look about. Perhaps we may see something. But they perceived nothing. They saw the sky only through a dim space. Just as in a hailstorm, gloomy fringes hang down over the white or greenish swollen clouds. Thus it was here. And the noiseless falling continued. On the ground they saw only a round spot of white and nothing else. "'Do you know, Sana?' said the boy. "'We are on the dry grass I often led you up to in summer, where we used to sit and look at the pasture-land that leads up gradually and where the beautiful herbs grow. We shall now at once go down there on the right.' "'Yes, Conrad. The day is short, as Grandmother said, and as you well know yourself.' and so we must hurry. Yes, Conrad, said the girl. Wait a little, and I will fix you a little better, replied the boy. He took off his hat and put it on Sana's head, and fastened it with both ribbons under her chin. The kerchief she had worn protected her too little, while on his head there was such a mass of dense curls that the snow could fall on it for a long time before the wet and cold would penetrate. Then he took off his little fur jacket and drew it over her little arms. About his own shoulders and arms, which now showed the bare shirt, he tied the little kerchief Sana had worn over her chest and the larger one she had had over her shoulders. That was enough for himself, he thought. And if he only stepped briskly, he should not be cold. He took the little girl by her hand, so they marched on. The girl, with her docile little eyes, looked out into the monotonous gray roundabout and gladly followed him. Only her little hurrying feet could not keep up with his, for he was striding onward like one who wanted to decide a matter once for all. Thus they proceeded with the unremitting energy children and animals have, as they do not realize how far their strength will carry them, and when their supply of it will give out. But, as they went on, they did not notice whether they were going down or up. They had turned down to the right at once, 
but they came again to places that led up. Often they encountered steep places, which they were forced to avoid, and a trench, in which they continued, led them about in a curve. They climbed heights, which grew ever steeper as they proceeded, and what they thought led downward was level ground, or it was a depression, or the way went on in an even stretch. "'Where are we, I wonder, Conrad?' asked the girl. "'I don't know,' he answered. "'If I only could see something with my eyes,' he continued, "'that I could take my direction from.' But there was nothing about them but the blinding white, white everywhere, which drew an ever-narrowing circle about them, passing beyond it into a luminous mist, descending in bands which consumed and concealed all objects beyond, until there was nothing but the unceasingly descending snow. "'Wait, Sana,' said the boy. "'Let us stand still for a moment and listen. Perhaps we might hear a sound from the valley, a dog, or a bell, or the mill, or a shout, something we must hear, and then we shall know which way to go.' So they remained standing, but they heard nothing. They remained standing a little longer, but nothing came, not a single sound, not the faintest noise beside their own breath. Ay, in the absolute stillness, they thought they could hear the snow as it fell on their eyelashes. The prediction of grandmother had still not come true. No wind had arisen. In fact, what is rare in those regions, not a breath of air was stirring. After having waited for a long time, they went on again. Never mind, Sana, said the boy. Don't be afraid. Just follow me, and I shall lead you down yet. If only it would stop snowing. The little girl was not faint-hearted, but lifted her little feet as well as she could and followed him. He led her on in the white, bright, living, opaque space. After a time they saw rocks. Darkling and indistinct, they loomed up out of the white, opaque light. As the children approached, they almost bumped against them. They rose up like walls and were quite perpendicular, so that scarcely a flake of snow could settle on them. Sana, Sana, he said. There are the rocks. Just let us keep on. Let us keep on. They went on, had to enter in between the rocks and push on at their base. The rocks would let them escape neither to left nor right and led them on in a narrow path. After a while, the children lost sight of them. They got away from the rocks as unexpectedly as they had got among them. Again, Nothing surrounded them but white. No more dark forms interposed. They moved in what seemed a great brightness, and yet could not see three feet ahead, everything being, as it were, enveloped in a white darkness. And as there were no shadows, no opinion about the size of objects was possible. The children did not know whether they were to descend or ascend, until some steep slope compelled their feet to climb. My eyes smart, said Sana. Don't look on the snow, answered the boy, but into the clouds. Mine have heard a long time already, 
But it does not matter. But it does not matter because I must watch our way. But don't be afraid. I shall lead you safely down to Gushite. Yes, Conrad. They went on, but wheresoever they turned, whichever way they turned, there never showed a chance to descend. On either side, steep acclivities hemmed them in and also made them constantly ascend. Whenever they turned downward, the slopes proved so precipitous that they were compelled to retreat. Frequently they met obstacles and often had to avoid steep slopes. They began to notice that whenever their feet sank in through the new snow, they no longer felt the rocky soil underneath, but something else which seemed like older, frozen snow. But still they pushed onward and marched fast and perseveringly. Whenever they made a halt, everything was still, unspeakably still. When they resumed their march, they heard the shuffling of their feet and nothing else, for the veils of heaven descended without a sound, and so abundantly that one might have seen the snow grow. The children themselves were covered with it, so that they did not contrast with the general whiteness, and would have lost each other from sight, had they been separated but a few feet. A comfort it was that the snow was as dry as sand, so that it did not adhere to their boots and stockings, or cling and wet them. At last they approached some other objects. They were gigantic fragments, lying in wild confusion, and covered with snow sifting everywhere into the chasms between them. The children almost touched them before seeing them. They went up to them to examine what they were. It was ice, nothing but ice. There were snow-covered slabs on whose lateral edges the smooth green ice became visible. There were hillocks that looked like heaped-up foam, but whose inward-looking crevices had a dull sheen and luster as if bars and beams of gems had been flung pell-mell. There rose rounded hummocks that were entirely enveloped in snow, slabs and other forms that stood inclined or in a perpendicular position towering as high as houses or the church of Gescheit. in some cavities were hollowed out through which one could insert an arm a head a body a whole big wagon full of hay all these were jumbled together and tilted so that they frequently formed roofs or eaves whose edges the snow overlaid, and over which it reached down like long white paws. Nay, even a monstrous black boulder as large as a house lay stranded among the blocks of ice and stood on end so that no snow could stick to its sides. And even larger ones, which one saw only later, were fast in the ice and skirted the glacier like a wall of debris there must have been very much water here, because there's so much ice, remarked Sana. No, that did not come from any water, replied her brother. That is the ice of the mountain, which is always on it, because that is the way things are. Yes, Conrad, said Sana. We have come to the ice now, said the boy. We are on the mountain, you know, Sana. 
that one sees so white in the sunshine from our garden. Now keep in mind what I shall tell you. Do you remember how often we used to sit in the garden in the afternoon? How beautiful it was, how the bees hummed about us, how the linden trees smelled sweet, and how the sun shone down on us. Yes, Conrad, I remember. And then we also used to see the mountain. We saw how blue it was, as blue as the sky. We saw the snow that is up there, even when we had summer weather, when it was hot and the grain ripened. Yes, Conrad. And below it, where the snow stopped, one sees all sorts of colors, if one looks close. Green, blue, and whitish. That is the ice. But it only looks so small from below, because it is so very far away. Father said, the ice will not go away before the end of the world. And then I also often saw that there was blue color below the ice, and thought it was stones or soil and pasture land, and then come the woods, and they go down farther and farther, and there are some boulders in them too, and then come meadows that are already green, and then the green of the leafy woods, and then our meadowlands and fields in the valley of Geshite. Do you see now, Sana, as we are at the ice, we shall go down over the blue color, and through the forests, in which are the boulders, and then over the pasture land, and through the green leafy forests, and then we shall be in the valley of Geshite, and easily find our way to the village. Yes, Conrad, said the girl. The children now entered upon the glacier, where it was accessible. They were like wee little pricks wandering among the huge masses. As they were peering in under the overhanging slabs, Moved, as it were, by an instinct to seek some shelter, they arrived at a trench, broad and deeply furrowed, which came right out of the ice. It looked like the bed of some torrent, now dried up and everywhere covered with fresh snow. At the spot where it emerged from the ice, there yawned a vault of ice, beautifully arched above it. The children continued in the trench, and entering the vault, went in farther and farther. It was quite dry, and there was smooth ice under their feet. All the cavern, however, was blue, bluer than anything else in the world, more profoundly and more beautifully blue than the sky, as blue as azure glass, through which a bright glow is diffused. There were more or less heavy flutings, icicles hung down pointed and tufted and the passage led inward still farther they knew not how far but they did not go on it would also have been pleasant to stay in this grotto it was warm and no snow could come in but it was so fearfully blue that the children took fright and ran out again they went on a while in the trench and then clambered over its side they passed along the ice as far as it was possible to edge through that chaos of fragments and boulders. We shall now have to pass over this, and then we shall run down away from the ice, said Conrad. Yes, said Sana, and clung to him. End of section 5